What if I told you you could control where you go when you die? I know, me, a 20-year-old college student claiming to have an answer to a question that's been asked since the beginning of time. It's pretty easy, though. All you need to do is get someone who's willing to follow your death plan. Hi, I'm Carolyn Roach, and you're listening to State of the Pod. I was living in a teepee on her property at that point, in Corning, and I was just new in the area. I had moved there in 97, and it was around 98 we started talking about this. It's like, hmm, I don't like how this, I don't want to be embalmed. I don't want to be embalmed. I want my body to go into the earth with everything it came in with, you know. I want my blood in my veins, my organs in my abdomen. (laughs) I want to be buried whole. That's Jennifer Johnson, the burial coordinator at Green Springs Natural Cemetery and Nature Preserve. Green Springs is one of the few places in New York State that offers natural burial, a process that's rarely practiced these days. It's a pretty peaceful place. Since it's part cemetery, part nature preserve, they have all kinds of native plants growing and local fauna wander around at their leisure. It's only 16 miles from Ithaca, but so much of the trip is on back roads that it takes a full 30 minutes to get there. You'd think it was almost like a park when you first got there. And then you see the burial mounds. Just a couple feet high, six feet long, the burial mounds are stark reminders that there are human bodies buried here. They don't look like normal flat graves because the people at Green Springs emphasize the natural decomposition process. So the bodies have to rest in the top three feet of soil where most of the biological activity goes on. All of the misplaced dirt goes on top, and it settles down over time as the body degrades and becomes part of the soil. It was a bit freaky at first, but as I walked around the premises, I realized that this place felt much more emotionally engaging than any cemetery I'd ever been to before. The whole time I was viscerally aware of what this place was, a final resting place for decaying human bodies. It was awesome. Now, what exactly is natural burial? It's an attempt to bury a person's body with as little treatment as possible. The person is left unembalmed, placed in just a biodegradable casket or shroud, and buried close to the surface of the earth. It's called natural because it's the same process that humans have used to care for their dead since the beginning of time. Put them in a simple hole in the dirt. Modern burial involves a lot more than those simple steps. To start with, people now are taken care of in a funeral home. These are for-profit companies, and their only service is death. This means that they have a vested interest in charging as much as they can on procedures and accessories, none of which are really required for burial. Let's cover the treatment of the body. It's washed in a disinfectant solution, and the limbs are massaged to relieve rigor mortis. Then the face is shaved, assuming that the person didn't usually have facial hair. The eyes are then closed and held in place with a plastic cap that's laid under the eyelids with prongs that hold the lids closed. The mouth is closed and wires are sewn through the upper and lower jaw to hold them in place. Something called a needle injector is used to guide this needle through the gums into the nasal septum and then back into the other jaw. They're tied together to hold everything in place. Then they start the arterial embalming. 
the right carotid artery and jugular vein are opened, and a formaldehyde-based embalming fluid is injected into the artery. This pushes all of the blood from the circulatory system, which is expelled out of the jugular vein. The embalmer massages the body through this whole process to help them break up any clots that have formed, and to make sure that the embalming fluid has fully penetrated. If any particular spot hasn't been reached, more arteries are opened up and used as secondary injection points. Then the cavity embalming starts. They used a device called a trocar, which is a long, thin tube just like the ones used during laparoscopic surgery. They push it through a hole that's made near the belly button, and it is used to pierce all of the hollow organs. Think stomach, bladder, intestines, gallbladder, anything with a lumen. The contents from those organs are sucked out, and then a modified form of embalming fluid is injected into all of the cavities of the chest and abdomen. The trocar is pulled out, and the hole is sutured closed at the end. All of the fluid that's exited the body at this process, all the blood, maybe some leaked embalming fluid, is poured down the regular old sink drain, and it goes right into the sewage system. Finally, the last step is hypodermic and superficial embalming. This is where embalming fluid is manually injected into any missed spots, and then specialized chemicals are used to preserve or modify the appearance of parts of the skin that will be visible during a viewing. They then apply makeup to make the person look more lifelike and dress them in whatever clothes the family provides. This body, bloodless, made up, sewn shut, and sterilized, is now ready for burial. But wait, even that has way too many steps. The grave is first dug by a mechanical excavator, three feet wide, six feet long, six feet deep, down beneath all the biological activity. Then goes the burial vault, a concrete rectangle, just deep enough to hold a casket, meant to keep the soil above from settling when the body eventually decomposes. This means that the body never actually touches dirt. Sometimes the burial vaults are sealed and made to be waterproof, which while it is an interesting idea for preservation purposes, it also makes the liner prone to rupture as decomposition gases have nowhere to go and build up pressure. Once the casket and grave liner have been put in, the grave is filled to the surface with dirt and then monoculture grass is grown on top. Without a headstone, you'd have no way to tell anything had happened. When all is said and done, this is a sanitized body put in a casket full of artificial, non-biodegradable materials placed in a concrete box and put too deep for rigorous biological activities. Sitting like this, it can take anywhere from 8 to 50 years or more for a body to be reduced to a skeleton. Unless disturbed, that concrete burial vault will stay the same for pretty much the end of time. So how did we get here? 200 years ago, a person who died in the U.S. would be buried in a style pretty similar to what goes on at Green Springs. The family would wash and dress the body, and the burial would be in a simple wood coffin. When the Civil War started, dead soldiers were left on the battlefield to decompose where they lay, or sometimes if they were lucky, they would be put in a mass grave. Wealthy families could have their sons returned by rail, but without refrigeration, that could quickly turn into a nightmare for everyone involved. Embalming did exist, but it wasn't very common. And then Abe Lincoln was shot. His body needed to be transported back to Springfield, Illinois for his burial, so he was thoroughly embalmed. There was a three-week funeral procession by rail, and Americans all along the route came to see the president's body as he went by. People got to know what this procedure could do, and the embalming industry exploded. 
They were embalming tents by the side of every battlefield, with embalmers ready to go as soon as the fighting was over. Each one had their own secret formula for embalming, and I'll give you a hint, they're mostly arsenic. Soon enough, embalming spread so deeply that it became a status quo. It's the standard practice for modern burials, to the point that a lot of the public believes that it is legally required for a body to be embalmed. Cremation, on the other hand, was promoted in the 1870s by Sir Henry Thompson, a British surgeon who believed that it would prevent the spread of disease and reduce funeral costs. At the time, it was thought that bodies were an active source of disease, and interacting with one was dangerous for your health. Thompson, along with a group of his friends and colleagues, actively tried to spread the concept of cremation. A few first crematoria were built in Europe and the U.S. in the late 1870s and early 1880s. Though, shocker, the Catholic Church did not allow cremation. The Protestants were pretty cool with it. They liked ashes to ashes and all that. Crematories started being built with stained glass windows to give a more spiritual feel, and the Catholics finally came around in 1963. Cremation is generally considered to be a more environmentally friendly option than traditional burial, since it can skip embalming and it does have a smaller land use. It's also almost always cheaper, which is a huge driver for many Americans. These days, about 40% of people are cremated and another 40% are embalmed. So here's the issue. Traditional burial uses a ton of land and it pollutes the groundwater. Embalming fluid and casket components, copper, zinc, lead, they leach into the groundwater and contaminate the surrounding environment. The concrete vault stays in the ground pretty much forever. Most caskets are built with wood from the Amazon, and that doesn't even mention the maintenance of cemetery grounds over time. The monoculture grass, the non-native plants, the pesticides that are constantly applied to maintain their perfect pristine look. Embalming is a big part of the issue there. For a long time, a body was legally considered toxic waste after embalming. The EPA only got rid of that distinction because it was emotionally scarring for families to see their loved ones treated like toxic waste. It's not even medically or legally necessary. Lots of people think that a body needs to be embalmed to cross state lines, which is almost always not true. Embalming also isn't that helpful in terms of disease prevention. Dead bodies aren't that great distributors of most diseases anyway, because they don't cough, sneeze, vomit, or bleed, so they don't transmit most infectious diseases the way that living bodies tend to. Embalming also isn't fully effective at sterilizing the body. Gas, gangrene, tetanus, and anthrax can all remain in the body after embalming, so there's really no point in doing it for that purpose. And there are even some diseases that are made more dangerous by the embalming process. Infectious diseases in the hazard group four, think Lassa virus, Ebola, viral hemorrhagic fever, and Marburg, they actually become more dangerous after embalming. I assume because you pour the untreated blood into the sewage system, which puts all kinds of people in contact with those viruses. Now, cremation. It's the first thing that people think of when they want a more environmentally friendly death. But it's really not that great of an option. The average cremation releases 540 pounds of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere, as does the mercury from any amalgam dental fillings. That's not a ton for one body, but think about the number of people that die and are cremated each year. It's definitely a smaller environmental impact than traditional burial, but it's really not great. There is a better alternative. It's a new technology that's just coming onto the scene right now, alkaline hydrolysis. 
It's also known as aquamation, resumation, and water cremation, but whatever you call it, it's cool as hell. Effectively, what happens is that the body is placed into a large metal cylinder, which is then filled with a basic, or alkaline, solution, which then, with some help from heat and pressure, dissolves the body until all that's left is some very nutrient-filled water and a nice pile of ash-like powder. The whole process produces about a third of the carbon emissions as standard traditional cremation. It produces more ashes, and it leaves a nice vat of fluid, which can act as a great fertilizer for a beautiful garden. Currently, it's only legal in some states because politicians are afraid of change, but it's rapidly expanding and just became legal in Washington state last month. This is my personal favorite of the options because the actual act of decomposing kind of freaks me out, and I'd love for my leftover aquamation goo to be put into a flower garden so I can live on in nature. Really though, the gold standard of environmentally friendly death is natural burial. It's a pretty simple process, since it's the same thing humans have been doing since the beginning of time. You take a body, you dig a hole, you put the body in the hole. No frills, chemicals, and the casket is optional. That's why I decided to talk to Jennifer from Green Springs. That's all they do there. Try to keep humans in the natural circle of life and use burials to maintain the natural order of the world. Their stance on natural burial is all about using it not just to avoid embalming, but to really bring the body back into the natural cycle of death. Here's how she explains their mission. So many people say, I don't want to take up the land, but then, you know, their mercury fillings go into the air when they get burned, the, the body isn't returned to the natural cycle and that kind of thing. But what if you could take up space where your body gave back to nature like it's naturally supposed to do, and you nourish the earth. Our purpose is to give people an option for the earth because when we die and our bodies go back to the earth, you know, that's how it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And humans got involved and did all these other things. <laughs> she even went into how important it was for there to be a good, honest relationship between a funeral director and the family. There are still funeral directors out there who take advantage, I, I think, at the time when a family is the most vulnerable. And that just irks me. Just, you know, how dare you? Since part of their mission is about being a nature preserve, and I haven't covered that yet, I'll let her tell you. We're surrounded by 8,000 acres of the Arnott and the Newfield Forest, so there's plenty of trees for birds and, mm -hmm. and such. However, the birds are losing their, the ground nesting birds, like the bobolink, the meadowlark, some sparrows, some different birds, they're losing their habitat. So all our burial areas are, and really the whole property, we're trying to keep it open. We recently took out, over the last couple of years, um, several of the evergreens that weren't native anyways. So we've taken a bunch of those down, and that keeps all of that open for future burial areas and for the ground nesting birds. So we also have a pollinator program. We got a grant for that, and there's four acres back behind over on the other side of that tree line where we disked up last spring and planted um, wildflowers and milkweed for the monarchs. Yeah. So, um, and we're, we're continuing with the pollinator plan. We're planting, gonna be planting 75 trees and shrubs around the cottage and um, like from here up to the road that will be good for pollinators, you know. 
So we really have a dual purpose, the natural burial and the nature preserve. To really emphasize that point, we talked about hybrid cemeteries, those that have both natural and conventional lots in their property. Here's what she had to say. And as far as I know, um, I think you can go into the ground not embalmed at many conventional cemeteries, but they're still using concrete vaults. And they're leaving the bottom open, but they're still putting on the top. Yeah. And they're still using pesticides. And, you know, all those caskets, a lot of that wood comes from the Amazon. They cut it down out of the Amazon, they put it on a boat, ship it up here, build a box, and bury it up here. What kind of sense does that make? (laughs) In response to that, I asked her how Green Springs deals with caskets. We don't have anything to do with the caskets or the shrouds other than um, directing people to somebody. We're not allowed legally in the state of New York to sell caskets or shrouds, but we can say, you know, the pine box is what most funeral homes have. Ask them. You can have a homemade casket as long as you follow the dimensions on our website. One time we had one that was way big and it almost didn't fit into the grave. That was awful. As far as shrouds, they have to be natural fabric, you know, wool, silk, hemp, flax, cotton. Um, They can be a just cotton sheets that are wrapped around the body, as long as the body's wrapped securely and tightly. And as to her preferred method of burial? I would like that Tibetan sky burial. Mm, yeah, with the big tower? Um, no, nothing. You just, you just put the body up high someplace and the vultures come and pick at you. I would have nothing against that mm-hmm. for myself. If the body isn't returned to the earth to become food for all the things that live down there, which become food for, you know, right up the food chain, then forget it. Thank you first to Jennifer Johnson, who gave me a lovely interview and tour of the Green Springs campus. I had such a great time hanging out with you, even if it was a little muddy and we stepped in some poop. Uh, Next, thank you to Mark Sarvari, our supervisor, who gave us access to a recording space and taught us all how to do this whole podcasting thing. Uh, None of us knew what we were doing, and your your guidance and leadership was so helpful. Thank you to Bailey Willett my fellow podcaster, for introducing me to this great team. I've had so much fun this semester, and I look forward to doing a lot more. Thank you also to Yin for giving us a little bit of structure and helping everyone out with their episodes and organizing this whole club for us. Um, See you next season. This made shudders. (laughs) 